Hey, this is Pastor Steve Berger with This Is That, where we bring biblical clarity to cultural chaos. We want to thank you for listening today. And remember, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel or to this podcast so you don't miss another episode. God bless you. We pray that this is a blessing for you today. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Pastor Steve here. Uh, Welcome back to part three of this sobering and serious study that we've been doing entitled The Planting of Satan. We've been looking at Satan's strategy to plant people in churches in order to wreak havoc and weaken true followers of Jesus. These satanic plants, they look the part, they play the part, they talk the part of real believers, but they are anything but real believers. Jesus referred to them as tares, as imposters, as counterfeits, as mimickers, but they're not real. They don't produce fruit. They just create toxicity and trouble. So we want to look today at our next portion of scripture, the the one chapter book of Jude. Again, just one chapter in the entire book. Um, and, and like our list that we went through in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, Jude gives us a list of characteristics that tares have. Again, we need to look at these lists, and when we think that we're dealing with a tear, when we think that we're seeing a tear infiltrate uh, our own church communities, then we need to be aware. We need to be able to deal with them because we see the characteristics here. Again, I'm not talking about someone who falls into something and, and sins and goes through a period, uh, uh, you know, a short period of one of these struggles or something, and then they confess their sin and get right with God and get right with the church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who habitually live by these sins. And so Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 gave us that big list. And now in the book of Jude, he's going to continue. Jude is going to actually expand upon that. And so um, rather than reading the the whole chapter and then going back, I'm just going to give you these characteristics in each of the verses. And it's a list. So get ready. In fact, why don't you open your Bible if you can and, um, and look at this with me. So. The book of Jude starts with Jude confessing to the people. He says, hey, I was getting ready to write to you a letter about our common salvation, but I found it needful for me to to write to you in order to contend for the faith and for me to expose things that that are happening in church circles. And so he, in that exposing of things that are happening in the church, we get to verse four, And our list of characteristics starts with these people who have infiltrated the church just like the tares infiltrated the wheat in the parable of the wheat and the tares. So here we go. Let's look at these characteristics of these tares. Verse 4, he says that they creep into churches unnoticed. Do Do you see that? They creep in meaning they're creeps, they creep in, they're creepy, they're, they're seductive, they're beguiling and sensual and sneaky, they're wily, like it says in Ephesians 6 of, of the devil, 
the wiles of the devil. These people are just functioning in, in the characteristics, the traits of their own master, who is Satan himself. So they creep into churches and they're unnoticed. Why are they unnoticed? Because they look the part and they play the part and they sing the part and they do just enough to appear as real believers. They do just enough to look like the wheat, but when in reality, they are tares. They're unnoticed because they're counterfeit lookalikes. Again, just playing the game. Understand that. They creep in unnoticed. Verse eight, what does he say about these people? He calls them dreamers. This is, this is interesting. They're dreamers in that they live in the fantasy of their own delusional spiritual importance and authority. Let me say that again. They're dreamers because they're living in the fantasy of their own delusional spiritual importance and authority. They really think they're something. They really think they know more than everybody else. I have seen this over and over and over again. In my 40 years of following Jesus, my 33 years of being a pastor, I have seen the dreamers. <laughs> and I don't mean good dreamers. They're actually, he should have called them nightmares because that's what they are. So they live in the fantasy of their own delusional spiritual importance and authority. They reject real God-ordained authority and they actually live immoral lives. Again, while going to church, while playing the games, while saying the, saying the right things, they actually live immoral lives. Verse 10, he said, they speak evil of things that they don't understand. And so an example of that would be someone who, who listens to a message and because they don't understand the truth of scripture and the ways of God, they will throw darts. They will fire arrows at the pastor because they, they, they want to speak evil of things that they just don't even understand. And because they know something and because they have their own dreamy idea of their own spiritual authority and importance, see, that's what they do. They speak evil about things that they don't understand. I can't tell you over the years that cockamamie letters and correspondence people have written to me that is just so rooted in them being self-important dreamers, people who live in a fantasy world of their own spiritual importance where they totally violate the scriptures while trying to convince me that I have violated the scriptures. It's unreal. I mean, when you start seeing this stuff for what it is, you know exactly where it comes from. So they speak evil of things they don't understand. And then Jude writes, he calls them natural brute beasts. It means that they are like unthinking animals. They're unthinking animals. They do whatever their own natural delusional instincts tell them to do. And what do they do? They bring about their own destruction. That's the end result of people like this, of these tares. We saw it in the parable of the wheat and the tares. We saw it in what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. They'll progress no further. They bring on their own destruction. Jesus said, what, they end up getting gathered and burned in the fire and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, this is serious stuff. They bring about their own destruction. Verse 11 says of these tares, these plants of Satan, that they actually follow Cain's example. 
Remember Cain and Abel? Cain killed Abel. Cain murdered his brother. They follow Cain's example by murdering brothers. Man, I, I've, I've seen this. Let me tell you something, friends. When you find someone whose ministry and whose specialty is to tear people down, I'm not talking about people who are in error. I'm talking about people who, who live a right life and preach right truth and people still will twist and pervert and attack them, their character and their teaching. I see that. It's, it's part of my life. I have to put up with that as a, as a pastor. It doesn't shock me or surprise me, but I'm just telling you, these tares, they love to follow the way of Cain and they love murdering brothers. They love murdering, attacking, slandering. They love doing that. And some of them even call it ministry and defending truth. It's tragic. They're actually tares. He goes on in verse 11 and says that they followed Balaam's example by coveting money. Now, this isn't just about coveting money. These tares, they, they covet money. They covet influence. They covet power. That's what they really want. They want to be in charge. They want to be somebody. They want to be someone in reality that they are in their unreality. They, they want to be something in real life that they are in their own minds, in their own fantasy life. God, I've seen this over and over and over again. They follow Korah's example, he goes on. Korah's example by rebelling against God-ordained authority. They rebel against it. And so let's attack the pastor or attack the elders or attack this teacher or attack, attack, attack. That's what they do. We're going to rebel against it. We're in charge. We're important. We're this, we're that. And let's just rebel against God-ordained authority. People like that all over the place. And again, it's increasing in the days in which we live. Verse 12, more characteristics. Notice how long the list is about these people. Verse 12, he says that they are actually in fellowship with you. They're actually in the midst of the fellowship. Again, the wheat and the tares, they grow together. They're in church fellowships and they feast, it says, they feast without fear. It means they think that they can sit there as an imposter, as a mimicker, as a counterfeit, and that doesn't even touch their seared conscience. They feast without fear. They don't think that there's anything to fear by living this type of tear-filled life. Whoa. They feast without fear. They serve themselves. Jude goes on that they are clouds without water and they are fruitless trees. In other words, they look like they're something when in reality, they are a big, fat nothing. They have no spiritual life of their own that is real and genuine to impart to other people. And so they're clouds without water and they're fruitless trees. They have a form of godliness, but they resist the power. Therefore, they have no fruit to share with other people. Well, gosh, is there is there more? Yeah, he goes on. Verse 13, he calls them raging waves of the sea. 
meaning that they are just totally unstable, raging back and forth, going from this church to that church and attacking here and attacking there. You know, there's people in Williamson County, Tennessee, that it seems to be their specialty. They go from church to church to church and every single time they're attacking the pastor, attacking the pastor, attacking the pastor. Yeah, they're clouds without water, they're fruitless trees, they're waging raves of the sea, unstable, they're wandering stars, he said. They're just lost in darkness. Wandering, raging, tossed to and fro, unstable, going here and going there, wreaking havoc wherever they can. All under the guise of being a follower of Jesus. They are tares and they are plants of Satan. Verse 16, the list continues. They are grumblers and they're complainers and they satisfy their own lusts and they brag about themselves. They flatter others to get what they want. They're manipulators. Ugh. I've, I have seen this. This is, this is so disgusting. This is so alive in churches today. Name droppers, manipulators, flatterers, gulp grumblers and complainers and satisfying their own lust and bragging about themselves and promoting and building their platform and doing all the stuff that the world says to do to get likes and friends and this and that. <sighs> Going to be an influencer. Oh, this person is an influencer. It cracks me up. You got some 18, 19 year old kid. I got underwear older than that kid, but he's an influencer because he manipulates the system and knows how to work things. And so now he's an influencer. He didn't have any influence. He didn't have any spiritual depth. What are you talking about? But it's the way of the world and it's the way of the tares. And they're happening more and more frequently. Verse 18, they are mockers. They make a mockery of the gospel. They mock the word. They'll mock godly living and holiness and lifestyle. They, they make a mockery of it. They, they take God's name and nature in vain by their, by their own lifestyle, their own ungodly lifestyle. Mockers, verse 19, they're, they're, they're sensual. It means they're natural. They're naturally minded. They're unspiritual people, okay? And it says they're void of the spirit. And what do they do? They cause division. Because remember, a tear, what does a tear do? A tear is toxic and treacherous. A tear creates trouble because they ultimately love to cause division. One of, one of the seven things that God hates that are an abomination to him, Proverbs chapter six, verses 19 through 21, is someone who sows discord among the brethren. And yet that's what these tares do. They sow discord. It's their specialty. It's their satanic specialty. Because they're plants of Satan, they do his bidding. So, I mean, you look at this list and you compare it with the list from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and you're just like, wow. I've seen this. I'm sure some of you have seen this in varying degrees. But you and I have both seen and known people in church circles just like this. 
They weren't obvious at first because they're a counterfeit. They're camouflage. They're a mimicker. They weren't obvious at first, but they grew into obvious tears over time and their ungodly behavior started to expose themselves and who they really are at their core. While others, the wheat, are bearing fruit, they are causing turmoil, chaos, and division. The tares, friends, are the planting of Satan. Again, Jesus couldn't have been any clearer. Matthew 13, 38, and 39, he told you exactly where these tares come from. Again, it is because Satan, who is the thief and the murderer and the destroyer, he uses corrupt people in church circles to do his bidding. Satan is willing to plant these people in the field of the Lord. He is willing to plant these people right next to the wheat of God, the sons of the kingdom. He is willing to plant these people and wait. Jesus said, here's what he does. He came at night while men were sleeping and planted the tares among the wheat, listen to this, and went his way. He went his way. He was content just planting them subversively, sneakily, seductively, planting them there and going his way because he knows what a tear is going to produce. Whew. Serious, serious stuff. Now, something interesting about the parable of the wheat and the tares, if I could go, go back to that for just a minute today. When Jesus was interpreting the parable of the wheat and the tares at the request of the disciples, he unpacks all of it, but he leaves this one phrase out. He doesn't address it. And I think he doesn't address it because it is so unbelievably obvious. It doesn't need description. And it is this phrase, the tares came and the enemy was able to plant them because men were asleep. Now, friend, listen to me. When men sleep spiritually to the attack of Satan through counterfeit lookalike plants of Satan, it allows Satan's work to be carried out in the church while men slept, an enemy came and planted tares right in the field, right next to the wheat, right in the church, right next to the sons of the kingdom. While men slept, the enemy came and did this. Friends, I wanna leave you with this exhortation about not sleeping so that we can start seeing, identifying, and naming the tares in our midst. Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Paul writes and says, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. It's high time to wake up, he said, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And friends, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And if it was time to wake up 2,000 years ago, it's all the more time to wake up now in these last days while the tares are flourishing in our midst. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Don't sleep like other people do. Other people sleep. But listen, for us as followers of Jesus, we can't be spiritually asleep. We need to be awake. We need to understand the attack of the enemy and we need to know what to do about it. And then finally, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. It means to be watchful, awake and aware because your adversary, the devil, Satan himself, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And Satan himself plants tares in the midst of the kingdom and he's hoping that those tares will create a treachery and a toxicity that will cause the church to lose its vision, to lose its voice, and to ultimately lose its effectiveness in the world. Friends, the devil is going about to seek whom he may steal, kill, and destroy. And if we don't wake up, he's going to steal, kill, and destroy from more of us through the tares that he has planted in our midst. We better wake up, pay attention, and know what to do. Now let's close in prayer today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word because your word is truth. Your word is a life. Your word, O oh God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And yes, God, when it is weighty and heavy and sober and serious, we need to pay all the more attention. And so, God, as we've unpacked this teaching on the planting of Satan, Lord, may you give us understanding and wisdom on what to do in the days in which we live as we see and identify these characteristics in people. Lord, may we turn away from them. May we have nothing to do with them. May we not listen to their slanderous lies or their accusations. May we not give them quarter. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we turn from them and live a life pursuing you and pursuing your truth, expanding the kingdom and making a difference in this world as the good seed that we are. Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, fill us and anoint us for the task that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.